Hello everyone, I'm Juana Yordekescu and you're listening to the We Include podcast. Here, we seek to bring you the most relevant and off-the-shelf diversity and inclusion initiatives. Today we're landing in Spain, home of Metaspace, a tech startup that helps businesses become leaders in gender equality, anti-harassment and radical transparency. The startup's added focus on the EU whistleblowing directive, if you don't know what it is, very important, look it up, ensures that companies are compliant and can concentrate on creating a better workplace for their employees. And this is what we're all about here at We Include. We're learning more together from one of the three co-founders who is with us today, Eleanor Manley. If you enjoyed this episode, give We Include a follow on your favorite podcast provider and share some feedback with me on LinkedIn. I kind of live there. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, Eleanor. Finally, we get to do this. Hi. Such a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Ioana. Um, I am very much looking forward to get to tell the story of your inclusion-focused business. Um, people have always experienced sexual harassment at work. Um, about 60% of women and about 30% of men report affirmative when surveyed. That's what I've, I've seen from the reports that your business is doing. Uh, and many choose to resign than to report it. Um, I found that even more striking and something that we don't really talk about that much. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see with you where's the debate around safe lines, anonymous reporting in organizations, um, who truly listens to these reports and uh, and signals. Um, and I believe Meta Space is really trying to address exactly that and more. So I'm very, very curious around your story, the solutions you're trying to, to build together and what's in uh, it for us uh, in the HR space, in the people management space, and in, in general in the building an inclusive workforce space. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And yeah, exactly. As you said, all of um, we started the business by doing about eight months of uh, research. And so my background is in data science and my co-founder is in cybersecurity. So we really went down that very kind of data-driven tech route. And as you mentioned, um, the, the results of our surveys and our data collections were really shocking. So we found that the vast majority of individuals in the workforce did experience sexual harassment, but yet 99.8% didn't report it. And again, you know, this idea that women are more likely to resign than to report means that companies are losing a huge kind of exodus of talent uh, due to the fact that they don't have proper reporting, resolution and prevention methods in place. So that's really what we're trying to solve. Uh, but one important point that I'd like to make is although we did start the business because of sexual harassment, we've now expanded it to all types of workplace misconduct. So that includes discrimination, bullying, and even fraud and bribery. So under kind of this idea of whistleblowing. Amazing. Uh, very much needed. Uh, also, from both perspectives, I think the employee needs to understand there is an actual safe space for this, but also for organizations, sometimes uh, not necessarily to defend them, but sometimes like, where do I start? How do I uncover which side is right? And without necessarily gathering this in a very, as you said, data-driven, secure way, it's very difficult to say, okay, this is what we need to fix. So people choose not to fix probably <laughs> anything or exactly. official things. Okay, we're going to get to the meat of it. But um, I, I, I think the audience would be very curious to understand, who is Eleanor? 
<laughs> that's yeah thank you well so I'm <laughs> actually you know it's funny because on podcasts people don't actually ask me that question so I've really taken it back um but yeah so my name is Eleanor Manley I am English but I grew up in France and then went to Spain to do both my bachelor's which was started off in politics um and it was during my bachelor's in politics that I became really interested in how data was used and collected to, inf uh, to influence elections. So that's why I then continued my uh, degree in data science and then obviously led me down a completely different route than, than politics, now towards social entrepreneurship. But I definitely do think there is a crossover between, you know, the idea of like United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which we're part of um, number five and number eight. So, um, gender equality in better workplaces and also obviously kind of making companies stronger and that affects obviously the employees and their well-being. So your initial thought was like I'm just gonna work in politics and maybe I'll do something with data around it but maybe I'm actually gonna work for the UN right I all, all doors were open probably back then yeah uh, and you you went down the rabbit hole of what happens when we don't report things that are such a recurrent thing in people's life and affecting so much uh, level of confidence, growth opportunities, um, mm -hmm. the way we, we build performance systems, right? And, and uh, in general, um, the opportunities for people to feel safe at work and, and bring their, their full self. Um, but I guess beyond the education piece, is there any point, any representative moment in your past where you're like, Yeah, it makes sense that I'm here and I'm telling this story to the world. Uh, <laughs> is there anything like anything in the in, in your in your history like oh yeah, that, I understand why I'm doing this now. Well, I mean, it's very, very clear for, for me because I was actually witness to a really bad sexual harassment case that affected half the women around me. And I think firstly, it was really the thought that I considered myself always someone quite switched on to these issues. I was always someone who really fought for women's rights. And yet I was oblivious to this mm -hmm. that was happening in front of my face for three months. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I didn't see it and it affected half the women around me. And this was um, in tech. And, and then afterwards, when it went to the reporting, there was no reporting system in place. Um, so it took, you know, already about two months for the institution to even acknowledge that there was a case. Mm -hmm. And then when it did come to resolution, no resolution was found. And it was very much this idea of, oh, you're saying this, but they're saying that. Um, and you don't have enough proof, even though proof was presented. Mm -hmm. And so It's, I remember I was talking with my with my best friend Helena, who's my co-founder, who I'm very lucky to work with. Um, she 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 said to me, you know, Helena, we really need to be doing something bigger. And I said, yeah, it's a great idea, Helena. Like, let's create a WhatsApp group with all the women and really bring a community together. And then she went, no, 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 we need to do something bigger. And that's actually where the the business came into to place. We started uh, doing yeah, eight months of collect of data collection. We did, you know surveys that got thousands and thousands of response, uh, focus groups with men and women, and then company interviews. And it was during those company interviews that was really pivotal for us because we started to understand the pain of mm -hmm. the organization itself. And that's how we've come up with the three pillars of our business today, which is prevent, report, and resolve. Mm -hmm. And so we hope that through each of those three pillars, we can really not only try to 
um, you know, report the, the, you know, support employees, but also support organizations through resolution. Because as you said, sometimes they don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. And that leads to very, very poor actions on their part, perhaps even unintentionally. Even more harm sometimes eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is fascinating how in a way, as a, a bit of a spark of justice, right? <laughs> Let's do justice. Yeah. Became a, a, a business idea and a business for good. And um, again, very needed for uh, everything in our space. Um, I'm very curious around, you said, hey, we have these three pillars. We're not going to be able to do a demo. But if we were to do a demo here in like, I don't know, two minutes, what would be the walkthrough of this demo for Metaspace? Definitely. So at the moment, we're currently selling kind of the reporting and the resolution to organizations. So the reporting is an employee um, mobile application Mm -hmm. where they can report all types of workplace misconduct. So we've mentioned sexual harassment a lot, but this also includes discrimination, bullying, fraud and bribery, and any other things that they would like to report. And so they can do this anonymously if they choose, or they can reveal their identity. It's completely up to them. Um, that report is then sent to the organization that have a case resolution center and there they get all the reports but we also give them the best practices in terms of legal and ethical best practices on how to resolve this case Um, and even if the individual is anonymous they can communicate with the employee through an integrated messaging system so we really want it to be conversational informal and really try to reintegrate trust between the employee and Mm -hmm. the company which is sometimes very very lost and obviously then the most important thing for us is is prevention so we actually don't want companies to even get to that stage so we're currently doing uh, preventative workshops for organizations but something that's still in research and development um, is I specialize in something called natural language processing, yep. which is how a computer understands text. Mm-hmm. And um, I developed an algorithm that can detect written harassment. Mm-hmm. And so at the moment, we're still working out how we would like that plugged in within an organization. If we're just yep. going to kind of give it to the organization itself or plug into Slack or Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams. But ultimately, the goal of this algorithm would really be to uh, prevent a report from even happening so mm-hmm. that you can actually detect the early sides of harassment, which so frequently go under the radar. Um, I think from our data, we found that it takes about three months for someone to even acknowledge that they're being sexually harassed. Mm-hmm. Um or harassed in general. And by that point, that's also where women are more likely to resign than to report because it's gone on for so long that they just aren't bothered anymore to to even go through the process. Fascinating. And uh, so now you have this report and prevent. There's going to be the third pillar, which is underdeveloped. Are you thinking more product that people just, you know, off the shelf buy? Is there a service that you are planning to associate with this? Or yeah. So currently we're B2B uh, Uh subscription based. So companies, um, you know, can use our employee application and the case resolution center um, and we do monthly subscriptions for them and then they can obviously use it how they want and Mm -hmm. really for every employee, but also um, every contractor or freelancer Mm -hmm. that they work for. I think that's really important to integrate within the system. And then the natural language processing algorithm, which is part of the prevention pillar, uh, will be coming later on. It's really uh, just because we're still a very early company. We're still finding our feet um, in terms of that product. Uh, But we're really excited that we hope that 
this idea of, you know, the three pillars, prevent, report and resolve, will become the norm within organisations in the next five to ten years. Um, that, you know, talent, and as we've been speaking a bit about uh, kind of retaining, attracting talent, that yeah. that will become an integral integral part of actually the new generation of workers coming coming into enterprises it's going to happen that's why we're here uh, <laughs> to catch it early on um but i think this is fascinating and i i understand the difficulties of it first of all uh, from a mindset perspective we really need to mm -hmm. shift how people think about it right there's a lot of course the the victim blaming there's a lot of um, um stigma around it right like did i do something wrong uh, should i have done mm -hmm. this should i have done the other thing so having a little bit of a, a, a space to understand the phases of harassment i think this is very interesting right there's not one yeah. event usually there's a there's a there's a signal somewhere there's no fire without smoke right so um mm -hmm. this is really interesting you're approaching it like that I, um, uh, I'm thinking now, as you're saying, hey, this is off the shelf, take it, do whatever you want with it. But in the same time, I realize being in organizations the size that I've been until now, there's usually a department around tickets and talent relations and HR relations and business partnerships and all that. Um, and I, I get a sense, I'm not going to comment too much, but I get a <laughs> sense that there's very little dedicated, educated person or team to deal with these things internally, right? So if like, what would be your recommendation? If I am a business who is buying a subscription for Metaspace, what do I need to do internally to make sure that I, I have full benefit of this, right? And I, I mm -hmm. need to implement probably some internal change. Anything that you've observed would recommend? Mm -hmm. Um, so firstly, there's within the EU, there's a new law that came into place last December that stated that all companies with more than 50 employees in the EU must have whistleblowing systems. Mm -hmm. So that's where it falls under this more of a compliance. Um, so what we've observed within organizations is... you the people that we tend to speak to the most the mo most frequently are either the compliance department, the HR department, or this kind of new department called the people department, mm -hmm. which, you know, depending on the organization, sometimes falls under HR, sometimes HR falls under them. It really depends. Um, but so, but we definitely do see a different approach between uh, compliance and mm -hmm. or HR and people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think... Within Metaspace, we definitely consider ourselves to be the next generation of compliance. And it's this opportunity for compliance to work to actually push diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that have a broader effect on the organization itself. Um, so I definitely think that, you know, we can definitely fit under whichever department, yeah. but it's hugely important that companies acknowledge that this isn't just something that's nice for organizations to have. It's a requirement now. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do something that's beyond just the compliance. You can do something that really creates a better workplace and will have a huge knock-on effect then towards, you know, um, so many different groups of individuals within your organization, but also how your company is perceived externally, yes. uh, your reputational cost. Um, and obviously the biggest thing is avoidance of this kind of externalized reporting or whistleblowing cases, which, um, you know, cost companies millions and, sure. and have huge, huge damage. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think we could t talk about this for hours to be honest, because mm -hmm. I would be very keen to understand like for if, if, if I run a department that is compliance or HR, 
what do I need to make sure that is happening? But I'll, I'll let people reach out to you directly for more of yeah. that. I am, um, uh, you gave a shout out to Helena and, uh, I understand from talking to many people uh, for this podcast, we realize there's no one person walking the journey by themselves. Who's with you on this journey? You mentioned uh, before we jumped on the call about your co-founders, I'm an investor. I'm very keen to understand what makes Metaspace work and successful and grow and kind of have a perspective for the future. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that hundreds of people have helped me, hundreds, mm-hmm. and I've needed every single one of them differently. Um, I definitely think, obviously, when you're starting an organization, um, especially when you're like Helena and I, who were very technical focused, we definitely needed a lot of mentoring when it came to the business side of things mm-hmm. and understanding sales and understanding how to speak to organizations. And so for, for me personally, um, mentorship has been really, really fundamental to me. Um, and I also now try to encourage other people to go towards mentors because, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I think that people do want to help generally and that's what I've experienced anyway and I'm hugely grateful for that so I've had a huge selection of mentors that um, have helped me some we have two advisors Mm -hmm. who are part of our organization and help us you know on a weekly basis that's Caroline and Andy so I give them a special shout out Um, and I saw them and I'm like they are very impressive characters so you're doing well there (laughs) definitely and then obviously our investors who um, you know, Helena and I wanted investors that reflected us as an organization. And we definitely wanted a investment board that was gender equal mm-hmm. and that represented different skill sets that which we didn't necessarily have. So we're extremely, extremely proud of that. And our partner is uh, Nora. So she does all the software development and she's an absolute machine. So she's <laughs> probably the most important shout out that I'll do today. But yeah, Everyone has been incredible and obviously founding friends are the backbone of every entrepreneur, in my opinion. Okay, good to know. And again, for those, I, I think for for this podcast, one of the mission is make sure that people in the talent space understand that there are these solutions. But the second, hopefully, effect of it is that people who have similar ideas and similar initiatives in their mind, they understand it's possible and other people mm-hmm. are carving the way. And yes, it's not easy. It's never easy to be an entrepreneur. And it's probably even harder to be an entrepreneur in this type of space, uh, but it's possible. So thank you for role modeling that. And also showcasing mm-hmm. a bit that again it's it's it, it, it takes a village <laughs> literally <Yeah>. right <laughs> um and i'm sure all these people are also very proud uh, for them driving or supporting um this effect this impact on community what do you see for this part uh, what are the the pride moments what are some stories that we can share at this point and hopefully we'll meet again in 5 years 10 years and we'll have mm-hmm. more stories to share but um is there is there already something that you observe in terms of positive impact on the community on the audience you're trying to address mm-hmm. yeah that's it's really good that you've asked this question because i was having this conversation last night when i was at dinner with a with a friend who also has her own company and you know, we were discussing and it's when we start talking and speaking up about gender equality, anti-discrimination practices, um, 
you people really open up to their own experiences and there seems to be a very large ripple effect of when we mm. speak to about metaspace to people they tell us our stories and they tell their friends and we we have people come to us and they're like oh you know like my friend told me about you guys like what you're doing is amazing this is my story and so that's definitely you know probably on a day-to-day basis what keeps Helena and I going is the effect that we see on it just on how people are able to speak about their experience and and then understand that maybe what they went through was not okay and that wouldn't happen again in the future Mm -hmm. um so that's probably on a more personal motivation basis but on a more professional way I definitely think that when we we have reports being submitted and when we see resolution that for us is obviously why we started the company um and you know there's there's been some some important reports that we've received that you know they they hadn't come to light within Mm -hmm. the organization until we were then integrated into the company so you know it went under the organization's radars for months and months and then the person was probably thinking okay am i gonna um you know resign or i'll just deal with this um, internally and then we kind of came into the organization they reported it straight away Mm -hmm. and i think that organizations shouldn't you know um it's so important to bring to light these kinds of cases because there'll be so many more and it's not just a one-off and as you mentioned previously this idea of mindset within organizations um we try to tell organizations that if you're not receiving reports Mm -hmm. it's a bad thing Mm -hmm. because what's happening is people are leaving or the culture is so bad that they're too scared to speak up and that will affect their productivity at work that will affect actually how they progress in their careers um so we try to tell them that it's not every company unfortunately has cases yeah. it's an unfortunate truth the best thing that you can do is try to put in place processes like ours so that you're equipped with everything that you need to prevent report and resolve these cases i see it makes me think of this iceberg image right mm-hmm. like you probably exactly. have one or two per year because they're like high profile or they are unavoidable in a way like somebody actually uh, took took it to to some people, hopefully, uh, but maybe not in a in a safe, protective way. But then the others don't necessarily dare to come forth, right? Because, as you said, mm-hmm. maybe you're too much in conversation. Do you have enough evidence? Is it timely? Uh, is it contextual? How are we actually approaching this? So the there's yeah, there's the image of the iceberg that I have in front of me, and you said like there's sexual harassment, but then there's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of different other discrimination points, and how do you bring that to light in a way that you can continue in a safe manner in that organization. I've unfortunately um, seen in different organizations when people came forth um, with certain complaints or reports, even if they got justice in a way, it was difficult for them to remain. So that's why, because there's, there's so much history, there's so much chatter, there's so much uh, opinions, maybe pros and cons, and you become a bit of a point of debate. And I think your, your point of prevention is so important. We just don't want to get there anymore. Right. Because it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a good thing. Never either way. Right. Like even if you have a good resolution, um, it's still very marking on, on everybody and the organization itself. Exactly. Okay, but uh, mm-hmm. only just starting to scratch the surface on this, I understand how difficult it must be from an emotional point of view. There's everything is loaded, right? And there is there there is pain usually associated with these mm-hmm. reports, right? And you get to see them in your organization, even anonymized or kind of reading through your surveys. It's probably 
very heavy, right? So, uh, and this is something that I, I see with everybody that we talk to in this uh, world. There's a there's a heaviness that people need to deal with and understand how do I maneuver that and keep my energy? So I always ask everybody, all the founders on this call, how do you keep yourself like truly yourself and not identifying with your business to the point when you're like becoming <laughs> the business? Um, uh, how do you keep yourself on this journey? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a learning curve <laughs> and I don't think I've fully achieved it yet. I'm touching um, a button. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think when you, or when I started the company, it was very much this idea of like burnout culture mm -hmm. and I definitely experienced a yeah. massive burnout actually this time last year, mm -hmm. so last August, which ended up with me being in therapy for three months. So I don't recommend yeah. anyone to have to do that. Um, and you know, it's very much this idea. Idea. I like to think of the impossible triangle mm -hmm. where I was trying to hit, you know, social life, sleep and work mm -hmm. all to the maximum. And obviously the first to go is sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and the second to go is social life. And then the third to go is, is work because if you're trying to hit all three of them, you're basically just going to be eliminating them one by one mm -hmm. rather than actually even achieving one. Um, so for me, I definitely have this kind of idea of more mindful practices mm -hmm. and I, well, actually I say that, but I, again, have not fully achieved it. <laughs> no one is saying, <laughs> I've tried, we all try, uh, <laughs> we all try, but what I have done and what I've learned about myself is that, um, you know, perhaps I'm just a very simple person and there's four things that make me happy. And if I can do those four things every day, I tend to feel accomplished during okay. that day and rested. Uh, so my four things, and perhaps, you know, uh, you as well and the audience can have a think of what their four things are. So my four things are reading, mm -hmm. um, writing, so either writing about my day or writing mm -hmm. an article, just that's kind of my creative outlet, um, doing yoga mm -hmm. and then doing some form of like quite like physical activity. So mm -hmm. that can be anything from training to going paddleboarding to going swimming mm -hmm. and if I can get those four in a day that's like the best day of the week um, <laughs> I don't usually achieve four in a day but even if I can get two or three in that's yeah. enough to keep me sane um, so yeah I think that that's um, you know because that basically means that you're taking time for yourself yeah. uh, by doing those four things and ultimately that's the most important thing that anyone can do to maximize their productivity um, back into the workplace. Recharging is is key for this because you you still mm -hmm. have next day and next day and next day right it doesn't necessarily stop so yeah. how do you keep the fuel in the tank sufficiently for you to uh, react to things but also be creative have mm -hmm. the right kind of mindset to approach problems interact and create impact through through those interactions um, uh, and when you're not uh, I'm we're never necessarily 100% in this day and age, I feel. But um, as you say, when you're not necessarily happy with yourself and with your day, it's very difficult to, to, to be mm -hmm. present, right? To kind of have those present conversations. Yeah. And I think the best kind of advice, or maybe it's more of like a statement that I've heard, is that your your body needs a break. Mm -hmm. So either you choose when to take it or mm -hmm. your body will choose when to take it. So that's the difference, right? Is like if you you take the rest and you have those mindful moments, you're the one giving your body a rest. If not, you'll end up in a burnout situation, which means you're off for a couple of weeks or even longer. That works really well for my control freak mindset. I, I own when I give my break. Exactly. 
that's how I feel as well. <laughs> okay. Um, Eleanor, it's, it's been a pleasure discussing and, um, I am very, very keen to, um, really observe and hopefully buy the product with some organizations that I'm in, mm-hmm. um, or some of the, the colleagues I, I get to talk to and, and make this, uh, a, a known thing, um, I think all of us would be curious what's next for Metaspace. You've just gotten some some investment rounds. Um, you have your your village supporting you. Uh, what's coming next? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think because so we're a purely technical team, so we we feel very happy and confident with the product that we've produced and now it's really about the sales drive that we're going towards and going to companies and understanding their needs understanding the pain points that they might be experiencing and how we can fit in um we know that you know it's quite clear that not every organization would be keen on a product like that this idea again of mindset but we know that from the people that we've worked with it has had quite fundamental effects um on the employees and how they view this idea of whistleblowing and avoiding retaliation which is Mm -hmm. so important as you you mentioned earlier um so yeah next steps for us is you know continue to work with organizations learning from their experiences and and scaling um to impact as many employees as as possible and, and have you know as large of a positive effect as we can that's all we need thank you so much Eleanor and I'll see you next time for sure thank you so much I had a great time Thank you so much for staying with us for the entire episode. You are the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to the We Include podcast on Spotify or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to share in your networks. It's highly appreciated. You can find me on LinkedIn for suggestions of initiatives and topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. They are coming out weekly. Till next time, take care.